Welcome to the Fabulously Keto podcast aimed at improving health, vitality and quality of life. Eating real food in a ketogenic lifestyle. I'm Jackie Fletcher and I'm based in the UK. And I'm Louise Reynolds, an Aussie currently based in Bangkok, Thailand. Each week we will be bringing you guests who share their stories and discuss a range of topics which we hope will improve your health and well-being. Many of the guests, like us, came to Keto for Weight Loss and have stayed for their well-being, numerous health benefits and because they are living their best lives. We hope you will be inspired to incorporate these ideas into your own health journey so that you can feel better than you ever have before. Thinking about starting keto? Take a listen to episode number two, What is Keto and How to Start? Welcome to episode 73 of the Fabulously Keto podcast. And today I'm chatting with Nicola Howard. Now, Nicola has been a guest with us on two previous podcasts on episode 13 and 35. And we thought it'd be a good time for us to catch up after Christmas and New Year and have a chat and see what's going on with Nicola. And in this episode, as in, in the previous ones, she explains her OSN scale, which I just love, and her three tenets. Um, we also talk about how she's been coping with stress over the last year. So we've just been having a little chat. Hopefully you will find it interesting and maybe even find a little nugget to take away with you. So let me tell you a little bit about Nicola. Nicola Howard is an award-winning coach, author, speaker, human physiology mentor, educator, woman in technology, orchid obsessive, and has been low carb since 1999. She's on a mission to free people from diet prison, remove the linguistically horrific words weight loss from common usage, and her mission statement is to assist the UK to eat itself healthy. Nicola also wants to disrupt the diet industry paradigm and move us away from guilt and shame when it comes to food and our bodies. She is one of the only people working within the diet industry to work on the mental mindset side of body composition management to break people away from victim mentality and to ensure long-term success. So let's go over and listen to my chat with Nicola. Just before we go to the interview... I'd like to ask you for some help. We've entered the Fabulously Keto podcast in uh, an award and we need to get your votes in to help us if you could vote for us. So if you've enjoyed listening this year to the Fabulously Keto podcast and you've got some value, then please consider voting for us. The voting is free. It takes less than a minute. But here's the crucial point. It needs to be done this week before the 31st of January the um the votes close on the 31st of January 2022 so if you can just go to com forward slash voting so com forward slash voting and get your vote in before then, before the 31st of January, we'd really appreciate it. If you're listening to this after the 31st of January, of course, there's nothing you can do about it now. So we 
one of the awards is uh, listeners, the Listener's Choice Award. So we'd love to get your vote for that. So thank you very much for showing your support. If you can do that for us, we would mm, hugely appreciate it. And we'll let you know. I think it's not until March that we find out if we've won or not. But there you go. Hopefully um, we'll get there. Thank you very much. Now we'll go over to the interview. Welcome back, Nicola, to the Fabulously Keto podcast. I think this is number three. Is it really number three? I thought it was number two. I am so, so glad to be back. It's very, very lovely to talk to you again. Yes, great to have you back. So for our listeners, where in the world are you? I am in London, um, in England. And today it is beautifully blue skied and sunny, which makes a change from like the beginning of the week where it's solid grey and really cold. Yeah, I've just, as you said that, I looked out. And I can see some blue sky. I really should get out there today. I've been so busy. But definitely walk at lunchtime is always a good thing. Never need I need to go out. Great. So obviously you've been on twice before, but some of our listeners may not know your journey. So tell us how you got started on low carb. Mm. Well, back in 1999, um, a work colleague basically gave me a copy of Dr. Atkins' New Diet Revolution because I've been sort of generally talking about. I'm in pain and I'm way too big and all of the stuff that you talk about when you're 29 because God it was that long ago and um, I read it it made perfect sense and I did it for I think three and a half years at that point I started December the 6th 1999 God knows why I started just before Christmas <laughs> no yeah. clue not not a clue at all and um, <clears throat> I did that for as I say three and a half years but I was also in quite a stressful job. I was working shifts and I wasn't seeing uh, at that point in my life, weight loss. I was going through stages of being stalled out for ages. And then suddenly I'd gain seven pounds and then I'd stall out for ages and then I'd gain seven pounds. And I, I don't, looking back on it, it was almost certainly a combination of I was working night shifts and weird shifts, um, having a very, very active social life. So my sleep was like, nye, 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 it's very squeezed. Yeah. And also going yeah, well, it's not that many carbs, is it? And and eating things that for my body were what I now call totally non-optimal. I was I was eating a lot of um, Dove's gluten-free lemon cookies with clotted cream. Mm. And so one of those with a pile of I was going to say nice, but it's, it's, I'm not sure. Tastes amazing. I don't know. But, but it's not um, not very optimal because, of course, one of those is like seven grams in, in the cookie itself. You've got the clotted cream on top. So you've got the carbs and your, and your sugar mixed together with the fat and therefore you can eat more of it. So then well, maybe I'll have two. Yeah. And then so it was basically that little slippery slope. So combine that with high stress work, no low sleep or high, high body stress fun, not a lot of sleep at all, really weird shifts and non-optimal food. Um when I then got hit with a medical issue that was not at all related to food or anything, um, I was given a medical menopause. So I was diagnosed with endometriosis and I hated that every second of that medication to the point it sent me batshit crazy. I started medicating properly with sugar and chips and mashed potato and all the wonderful fluffy carbs that just calm you down because I was mm-hmm. crying all the time and being completely irrational and of course, once I got out of the end of that three month course, I'd gained all of the weight I'd lost plus another stone. And it, it was it was just, well, yeah, I'm here now. And I had brain fog, dry skin, 
all the works. And that's where I pretty much stayed for seven years because after I'd finished the drugs, I didn't have a period for a year. And then I had a year long period. And so, of course, I also think at that point in my life, I was probably clinically depressed, didn't seek help for whatever reason, wasn't hating, wasn't loving life, was absolutely detesting my body because it was bleeding all the time. Again, brain fog, tired, low energy, up and down, hangry all the time because I was just medicating with the with carbohydrate. And bleeding all the time, getting rid of losing yeah. blood. Losing blood, that's the the iron loss as well, almost certainly. Um, it, it was it was not a fun sort of couple of years. And then I got fed up with that and I thought, right, I'm gonna go and get myself an IUD. So I got that. That's that basically stopped it all bleeding-wise, which is awesome. But then I was still stuck with well, yeah, this is just what I'm the way I'm eating now. Fair enough. I'm just resigned. I'm I'm, I'm going to eat food. I'm going to stay fat. I don't care. Yeah, it really did not care at all. I understand and that. I then got into a relationship with a chap that cycled a lot, and he got me on a bike, and I really enjoyed it. And and because I'm I, I because I have polycystic ovaries, I I tend to be able to build muscle quite easily. Um, so my legs started looking really really shapely. And it's like, well, yeah, this this is I'm getting fit. This is good. But I was still eating crap, essentially. Yep. And it then took another couple of years before I was ready to actually go. Yeah, I need to now do the food, don't I? And so he went off um, for a three day stag do in Amsterdam. I bought a ton of steak, a ton of peppers, a ton of cream cheese, a ton of broccoli. And I just ate nothing but steak and broccoli and cream for the weekend. Nice. I, I, I did exactly what I don't tell people to do now. I went went in had the keto flu felt miserable for a week or so and and then sort of stabilized out into well yeah this is what i'm doing my body's remembering this this is feeling better lovely and and we then broke up i got into another relationship where we loved each other with food and those lovely sort of non-optimal things started slipping in and i was i was claiming i was low carb but it's like I'd eat quarter of a pot of, of, of premium custard. And I was using the corn thins quite a lot with cheese and on all these things that I, w- I would buy them sort of lemon tarts. And then I'd maybe have a little bit of it with them because it felt good. And, and, and it is. It was, so when I got to we broke up 2016 and I took coach training because that was what I was looking for in my life anyway. And it's like, yeah, it's time. I really need to get back on this. And that's where the evolution of my now system really, really started. It's this whole can't be faffed with the numbers, can't be faffed with the counting. This doesn't work because if you put yourself in a little box, you stay in a little box. So I need something bigger. And that's when I started helping other people and developed the OSN scale and the three tenants. Yeah. Yeah. And and now I help other people with that. I've written the books with that. I've got courses with that. I coach people with that. I've got a group program with that. And it's all based on this foundation of just eat when you're hungry. Don't eat when you're not hungry or stop eating. If you if you've stopped being hungry and make every mouthful as optimal as possible. And then I have the, the framework of how you grade food. So the, the, is that your three tenants? Yeah, they are my three tenants. OK. And then you have the the OSN scale grades your food to be optimal, suboptimal or non-optimal. There's there's none of this bad or good or naughty or nice because that's all judgmental. It's all emotional. When you just use a rational framework, you take the emotion away and then it's just you making a choice. And if you make an unoptimal choice, whoop, big deal. Just move on. No, it's not a problem because you didn't do anything wrong. You didn't sin 
lovely, lovely little yeah, bit. Yeah. That one. You didn't sin. You weren't naughty. You weren't bad. You did nothing wrong. You just ate some food that for your body. Probably not really the best choice. It. Not, yeah, best not the best choice. Not the optimal choice, as you say. Yeah, not the optimal choice. Just move on. Draw the line. Move on. And make every mouthful as optimal as possible, given the circumstances you find yourself in. And it's once you liberate yourself from this whole judgmental stuff, life just becomes easy in food ways. We don't need to be using a whole bunch of willpower and whatever on food. It's trivial. Food is trivial. We need to be using willpower on things like getting projects over the line and, and not wanting to kill the children when they've, they've wrecked the carpet and, and all this sort of stuff that we need willpower to push us through as human beings. We don't need to spend it on, oh, my God, I really want to eat that, but I mustn't eat that. I can't eat that. I'd be bad if I eat that. It's just a waste of time. And don't you find that when you change the way you eat, all those other stresses diminish anyway? So they definitely do. But then there's also and one of the things I do most with clients. It's not about changing our plate. That is the easy part. You can do the changing your plate about six weeks and you're done. Yeah changing the attitude to food what is a treat a treat is not a piece of sugar because that's something that's going to kill you why would something that's going to kill you over time a treat it's not treats are like going out on occasions or being with your partner or friend or whoever buying a fantastic new book buying a bunch of flowers going out in nature a treat is something that is nourishing effectively soul nourishing yeah without nourishing your mouth your yeah. tongue and so, so where, and even if you say going out for dinner, I love going out for dinner. It is a real treat, but the food isn't the treat. The going out, the having company, the enjoying what what is being given to me by an awesome restaurant—that is the treat, not what's on the plate. Yeah, makes sense. So when you start doing the work to redefine all this stuff in your head, and you start looking at the why am I comfort eating? What's driving me to seek amusing my mouth? To make yep. me feel better. What is driving the choices that I make when I'm stressed? What is driving um, when I'm tired and I'm not, I'm, I'm instead of going to bed, I'm eating something because it's lifting me or having a cup of coffee, even that using caffeine and stuff. Once you start looking at what's actually going on in your head, then the food level becomes even easier yeah. because you don't automatically fall back to a comfort pattern. You instead go, oh, Oh, I could I could use some comfort here. How can I do that that isn't putting things in my face? And yeah, you have to consciously think about it when you first start. But it's about the, the ladder of learning. You get to what's called unconscious competency, where it's just what you do. Yeah. And and we were talking about just before we started where I've had 2021, uber stressful year for me. I mean, yes, it was stressful for everyone. We had uncertainty, we had all the all the stuff that was going on. But I'm dealing with a family member that has started to have dementia, very close family member. And so the extra stress of I've felt all my own food addiction triggers, like, wow, really, really flare up. And I thought I'd dealt with that. Yeah. So how have you been coping with that? Um, I stopped being carnivore. <laughs> and, and it sounds really, really, I mean, yes, I've been, because I've been doing this so long. For me, going right back to, eating what I was eating, which was my addiction food of choice is a pint of ice cream and or plate of chips, possibly yep. one after the other. Um, I actually nearly broke in the summer. I, I was outside MS and I was really wanting to buy a pint of ice cream. And one of my 
family's friends called me and asked me how I was doing. And I said, I'm really, really down. He said, he said, the ice cream's not worth it, mate. I, said, I know it's not what Korea cry cry. It's not, I know it's not worth it, but I really want to do it. But because the, the, the universe spirit, Allah, God, Buddha, whoever you want to say, sent me that phone call at that point, I then didn't go and buy the ice cream. I then bought avocado and prawns and, and had something that was tasty and nourishing rather than tasty, but empty. Yeah. And that's well done. how I've been coping with those stress mechanisms is tasty and nourishing. So I put vegetables back in my life because I, it was like, yeah, I, I need to do something here to keep the food addiction demon quiet because otherwise I'm just going to end up in ice cream. So let's let's just put something that I find personally joyful, but I haven't been using for two and a half years because I've been what carnival two and a half years, January 2019 till May 2021 was yep. when I when I thought, yeah, no, it's it, it all this is getting too complicated because I'm needing to eat with them and I can't just eat meat with them because it's all whatever. It's just too difficult. Let's put some veggies back in. It's not a problem. And how did you feel when you'd done that? I know that I've got to get back to carnivore at some point because I'm feeling ever so slightly tired again. I'm feeling gritty eyed again. Um, and I've got less energy than I had without them, which is fascinating. It, it's all about experimentation. And, and I, I don't advocate anyone do anything extreme unless they really, really need to. Yeah. And I think for my body, my body loves just eating animals and that's it. And my mouth loves eating vegetables and my brain loves eating vegetables. And I know I can't eat nuts because they cause me pain. I, I miss them, but I, I can't, that's one of the things I can't do because it's too, too painful, literally it gives me gut ache. Yeah. But eating broccoli again and eating like avocados and, and, and I've also been adding like coleslaw, putting mayonnaise back in and, and like, mm, yeah. And I also know that with the tiredness and the, like, the gritty eyedness, my skin's cool still. I have awesome skin, but my blood pressure's gone back up. Mm. And that could also be due to the massive amount of stress yeah. that look at caring for someone with dementia and then caring for what's going on in their life. That that could also be a massive contributor. Absolutely. But I'm definitely thinking that where I've put those back in, my blood pressure's it's a correlation. Again, it's one of those things of test it take them back out see what happens <laughs> and la 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 we, we all of life is a complete test but it's all about i know i'm very conscious of at at some point when all of this stuff calms down and they've got the help they need because at the moment we're mid-diagnosis and it's all slow and eh, um where they finally get hopefully the care package put in place they will then not need me as much which mm. means i can relax more which yeah. means I can then get back to more being me rather than having to be carer, if yes. that makes sense. So, yeah, this too will pass. It shall. It shall. You've just got to get through it. Yeah. And, but if, again, bringing, and if bringing vegetables back in is the worst thing you do, yeah. so what? <laughs> yeah. I, I, I take that compromise. It's like when I, when I used to drink Diet Coke, because I haven't had a Diet Coke since 2016, I was an utter Diet Coke addict. It used to be an international Diet Coke crisis if I had none in the house. So it was that dramatic. Um, it was definitely an addiction behavior. And I always used to say there are worse things to be addicted to than Diet Coke. Yeah. Um, so Which is true. It, it is it's true. true. <laughs> but it, it's that whole, if vegetables are allowing me to stay sane and rational and have a little bit of joy that is just simple 
I'm I'm going to take that compromise of being just okay because it's still epically better than than where I was. Yeah. I'll take the compromise of being just okay rather than absolutely awesome whilst I'm dealing with this rubbish in my life. Yeah. And without the ice cream. Yeah. And and without, I don't I don't need to go and I don't need to feed the addiction with something that harms me. I can feed the addiction with something that nourishes me. And and that I think in itself is acceptance. I was talking about this with a client yesterday about radical acceptance about where I am right now. <sighs> okay, what do I need to do? Rather than oh, why me? And and all the, the stuff that we could do to suffer it and complain about it and basically drag down what what is a bad experience anyway into a negative experience. Yeah, just that acceptance of yeah, this is where I am. This is what this is where what I've got. This is my resources. What do I need to do? Yeah. And just stepping up and squaring up and just getting on with it with as positive a view as I can. And all of that is is through effectively, I have a coach because every coach needs a coach. And so getting that support, using my own frameworks on myself, using every single tool I've got on myself. Yeah. Um, and also, as I say, getting help from others, getting counseling around some of the stuff that's come up you can't we we are humans we can't do this journey on our own we are not we are not lone lone animals we are pack we are tribe we are herd yes humans need humans and so by me one of my biggest self-help journeys started in 2018 with the statement it is safe for me to ask for help and i know i've now got a, a group of friends that have got my back if i say i need this they go yep what do you need that's it there is no questions sometimes it's well i can't do it then but i could do it then but, but knowing that I've got my tribe, my group support program has been amazing to help me talk things out as I'm also helping them because, of course, the group lifts everybody. Yes. It, it's, there are a lot of positives in 2021 that I almost didn't acknowledge because there was just so much crap in the way of me seeing it. So, yeah. yeah, being able to use tools to deal with it and being able to eat solids. So my blood glucose is awesome. So I'm not in drama. Yeah. yeah. You're not going on that roller coaster. No. And just going back to something you said a couple of minutes ago is an event happens but the event is neutral it's an event mm. it's only our response to that event that creates the tra the drama or the trauma or whatever else whatever we attach to that event because for two people that same event could be totally different in their bodies oh, and in their mind completely um there's a lovely tool that we get taught when we do coaching training. I don't know. You probably had the same one, the focus, meaning action triangle where um, an event happens and what you focus on in that event is how you then interpret it. And then what you do about it. Um, so the, the, the example there is some, you open the door for someone walking behind you and they just breeze past. They, they're completely whatever. And they, and you could think, eh, what a rude bugger. <laughs> And, you, yeah. and it could put you on the back foot for the rest of like a couple of hours. Or you could think, ooh, I hope they're okay. And if it was a work safe situation, you could go over later and go, I've noticed you were a bit in your own head earlier. Is there anything going on? Can I help you? And it's the same thing. You've got exactly. bruised pass through the door, but how you then react to it. And again, it's your choice. Victor Frankl, between stimulus and response, there is a moment. And in that moment, we have choice. Choice. Choose. And either the backside of our brain makes the choice for us if we don't realise what's going on, or we realise that we have a choice and we make it. So yeah. I, I often say to people, don't blame yourself for any of the things that have happened in your past, because you, as a divine spiritual being, 
probably didn't make the choices you made. The backside of your brain made them based on how you were programmed to react to things in your past. Absolutely. Now you know that you can choose to do something else. Yeah, absolutely. I I totally agree with that. Yeah. So I notice because people, the listeners can't see, but I can see behind you, you have lots of certificates on your wall and awards by the look of it. Yeah. Tell us about your, I think you mentioned one award when you came on last time. So tell us about your new one. Yes, I, I in January, um, which I don't know when this will be broadcast, but I, my group support programme, Low Carb Living UK, was awarded second award. It got first one in September, which I, I know I've spoken about, but maybe not with you. Um, from the SME Greater London Enterprise Awards. And that was Low Carbohydrate Nutrition Specialist 2021. And then literally hot off the press from Corporate Life via their global awards, 21-22, Low Carb Living UK has been awarded Nutrition Specialist of the Year. So I'm so proud of that programme because it's it's the affordable way of getting more support. I I realise that not everyone can afford to engage me one-to-one. I'm a premium service. I, 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 I am a, a substantial investment for that because you get a lot out of that. Yeah. Not everybody has that. And we've also been trained by the diet industry that it should cost you about six or seven quid a week. So low carb living UK is pitched at that level. You get more for your money than you ever would with the, the, the big, the big, the big people, because, Hey, I'm all about value. And I know that if you don't support someone's mind, you're not going to get anywhere. Um, and yeah, I'm so proud that that program has now been given two awards. It's Fantastic. wonderful to watch people flourishing inside it. People come, people go as they do. Um, the business model, I think I've discussed with you before, is I don't ever want people to need to work with me. They've fallen off the wagon. They have to come back and go away and come back and go away. They don't need to ever work with us, but they want to stay engaged. They want the group support. They want that group of supportive women. Normally, I don't. we've had a couple of men doing but they never really stick. That group of supportive women that I've just got everybody's back. You can come, you bring your successes, you bring your what you need to kick up the bum for, we call it. Who needs a hug? Who needs to kick up the bum? Who's got success they want to share? And we do not talk about the scale in any way, shape or form. We talk about I've fitted a new dress. I went out and I made optional choices. I've knitted something. I've made this. I've got a new thing. I've got a new job. I Everything in your life is success because food is just one small piece of life. So we celebrate all of it. Yeah. And we and we coach on like topics. So like last this week is how we deal with people's perception of how we eat. And it's a lot of things about maintaining boundaries and either changing the subject if they are completely closed minded or if they're more open minded, just being that beacon and discussing it with them and and maybe showing them sort of I say in my context, my book or getting them to join Low Carb Living UK and just generally being sort of that whole being being the beacon and being the light, because that's all we can ever be. The only person we can ever control is ourselves. Yeah. So you just got to keep shining the light. Yeah. And so we talk about these things, about how we could potentially do things. And if people are kicking up, how we then choose to react to that. All these sorts of things when we coach people through particular, like people will bring scenarios or um, they'll they'll have, well, I, I, was, I was faced with this, this this week. I dealt with it like that. And we'll, we'll either go, well, that was fantastic, awesome, couldn't have done more, or, yeah, that was great. Try this next time as well. It's all very, very supportive, non-judgmental and encouraging. And, oh, well, the results are mm, chef's kiss. <laughs> and they've got the accountability and yeah. um, 
just knowing that you've got somebody oh. supporting you and holding holding that place for you yeah. is yeah. very powerful, isn't it? Yeah. I think someone also said this week, in fact, that because um, they've been effectively non-optimal over Christmas, they'd been sliding into it from about September, October because of work stress. And then Christmas was like <clears throat> out the water. And, and they said um, the best thing about this is there's no judgment here. It's just, okay, you had a non-optimal Christmas. So how are we going to get January handled? How are we going to move on from that? Yeah. And she said, it's not like it's a wagging finger. There's no telling off here. I said, no, there's no point. You, you're an adult. You don't need to be told off for it. No. What you need to do is put structures yep. in place to support more optimal choices. And that's what we did. We spent a little bit of the coaching call putting in more structure so that she's enabled to live a more optimal life. Yeah. And she's working through the system again back from the start. And yeah. Excellent. Keeping accountable, being supported by the group. It's awesome. Yeah. So you've tell us the books that you have written and you've got another one coming out. Well, I've another got, one. God plan. Being so, written. So I haven't written a book for a couple of years now, but I wrote my first book, which I want to combine with my second book at some point. So my first book is called Control Your Low Carb Week. And it's literally how you write a menu plan. Because everybody was asking, it's like, yeah, I've got this in my head. Let's do this. And dumped it out into a little, it's a 25 page little document. It's it's on Amazon. Um, and then I, and then six weeks before Christmas the next year, I had the, oh my God, people need to know how to plan Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I, I literally in about a week and a half, maybe two weeks. And I, I honestly, I look at it now and go, I, I know I can do better than this book. Um, but that's a 50 page workbook so it allows you to plan out how you deal with the meal itself how you deal with parties how you deal with alcohol in specific specifics because alcohol at Christmas is an interesting one um, how you deal with parties and some recipes and I sort of and and then and that went out and then as I was coaching more and more people it's like well I've got this structure I need to write this structure down don't I and so that's where the third book, the genesis of that started in 20, sort of the beginning of the middle of 2017 or so, because it got published in 2018 or 2019. Can't remember. Anyway, whenever it was published, it took me about a year and a half to get it all out. In fact, I was writing it in 2017 when I went to Norway with my mum and it took a while. It codified my shifts, my keys, my secrets, the mindset stuff, all of those things. And then that became effective. If someone's going to buy my book, How to Do Low Carb UK Style, that's the book I will always send them at. Yeah. Um, because it's it's everything from my mind on a page. And then from there, of course, everything, once it was codified and once I'd actually put the structure around it, it's then easy to create the other things from it. Yeah. And then this, this sort of last year or so last 18 months diabetes type 2 diabetics really need some help with this and the way i crafted the system actually is a really good way to get them started because it goes in gently and of course when you when you have that type 2 you don't want to go in crash bang wallop you don't want the keto flu to happen because you've got too much other stuff happening in the body it's not healthy for a diabetic to just go in yeah and it was like well okay seeing as my system does this already let's write them a specific book and that book's been sitting in my head for about 18 months and not fallen out of my fingers because of life, the universe, relationships, stress. everything, stress. Blah. So this is the year that book has to happen. How to Tame Type 2 Diabetes has to fall out of my head this year. Okay. okay. Have you got a plan to make that happen? Um, sort of not really. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, I know I'm doing some various bits and pieces that's going to relieve some of the pressure. And I think by relieving some of that pressure, that's going to then give me the space to actually write. So I've, I've also been being creative in other areas. So I've took, I took up art when we first started lockdown. I cannot draw for toffee, but I can throw colour around. So I picked up acrylic flow art. You basically throw paint at a canvas and wiggle it around and you get amazing things. It's physics yeah, and all the, all the things I love. Yeah. Um, and that, of course, is an outlet for creativity. And writing is very creative as well. So now I've, I've got that bit of creativity rolling. I know that I can then put more in and then the words will just start to come. I actually was sitting with my, my boyfriend last last weekend. And we went, we went out for, for brunch at a, at a cafe. It's not something we do very often. And suddenly the first like three paragraphs hit my brain, got my phone out, sent myself a text with, with the words that were just coming out of my head. Yeah. So I know, I know it's bursting out. Almost there. ready. Yeah. It's, it's birthing. It's birthing. Yeah, it is. Labour might be intense and it might be long, but it's definitely on its way. <laughs> So nine months time, we'll get you back on. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. So then, as I say, hopefully in, in when I do that as well, as I say, I want to slam the first two books together and make it a little bit more comprehensive about planning normally, planning for special occasions. Here's some tips and whatever. So I want to I want to make those two a little bit. But now I actually know how to structure a book rather than just throw something at a page it, I know it can be better. And that's that's part of my own perfectionism as well. As a recovering perfectionist, I know it needs to be better. Yeah. But at least you didn't get stuck in it needs to be perfect and therefore not get it out because it's oh, been yeah. they've been out in the world now for several years. So yeah. they've been helping people. Oh, yeah. I actually say in the third book, there's a bit in it where I say, and I nearly this book nearly didn't arrive because I, I did have a chapter in it that is about three quarters written. And it's about standing on the shoulders of giants and about the history of low carb. And I got to the 70s with the argument between um, Yudkid and um, what's-his-face Keyes. And it's like, how can I make the argument between two scientific old men interesting? And it's the first thing I started writing when I started writing the book. And it was the last thing that was still to do. And it's like, just take it out. Get rid of it. It doesn't need to be in here. It's stopping you publishing. Just ditch it. So, yeah, getting rid of the need for this needs to be in here. This needs to be perfect is definitely I think you could call it my fourth tenant is progress, not perfection. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and that's the same, you know, with your like with your lady who um, had a non-optimal Christmas. Hmm. Yeah. OK, so maybe next year it will be different. Hmm. Maybe like me, lady wants to come off doing what she does most of the year at Christmas. So I don't drink a lot of alcohol, but at Christmas, I drink very non-optimal alcoholic <laughs> drinks, which are snowballs with full fat lemonade. <laughs> and I would drink a lot for a, for a couple of days. Mm. But that's it. Then then it's back to it. Yeah, no, I, I get that. Although this year I haven't had any Baileys. It's like, oh, yeah, I like Baileys too. Yeah, I um, and Baileys. I thought about going through the hassle of making some. And then I couldn't be faffed. So I just didn't. But it, it's that whole, I don't know, I definitely had some some proper potato with Christmas dinner. Yeah, me too. Um, but beyond that, I got some deliciously guilt-free mince pies, which worked very well while I bought my my mum who was with me at Christmas. I bought her a little little Christmas pudding because I oh, yeah, Christmas pudding's horrible. I can't stand it anyway. Bought her a Christmas pudding. I had I had the the deliciously guilt-free mince pies 
we we had a, a meal and and I and I cooked all the stuff for her. I ate some of the potatoes because I love them, and that was that. One one day, and I had a glass of wine with it, and yeah, we're done. No big deal. Yeah, yeah. And that's you know I always say, oh, I'm terrible at Christmas, but actually it's not that bad. Although on Christmas Day, because because we tend to focus on the meat and the vegetables mm-hmm. most of the year. I must admit, this Christmas Day, I focused on the potatoes and the Yorkshire puddings, and I hardly had any meat. But, you know, it's a day. The next day, oh, yeah, my, the next day my mum made some chicken soup, so not too bad. The stuff she puts in it is very carby. Mm. But, yeah, two days, and then it's back to it. It's, yeah. it's no big deal. And I think where we've both been doing this a while now, for us, it's easy for us to do that. It's easy to say that because it's a state of mind but when you're fresh at this sort of thing and you can't imagine that you don't and you don't you don't know about your own one of the things I say is the maintaining good boundaries is awesome learning how to say no thank you to other people but maintaining the self boundaries is the hardest thing to do it's we are taught especially as women to negotiate our own boundaries we're taught to be flexible we're taught to not have the no and so when we're trying to put that resilience in our own selves, Christmas is a fantastic example of it because it's a, oh, well, I may as well just. And then, of course, once you've made well just, you may as well just keep on being non-optimal. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, I did a poll in my group this week, and it's very interesting about sort of lots of people have said, yeah, I'm totally back on it. It's not a problem at all. And then the next most popular was, well, yeah, I'm nearly there, but not really. And I could, I, I haven't got there yet. And I thought that was fascinating that there was just like these these two these two sides. And I could tell I, I did a, a thing on it last night on my Facebook group, on my Facebook page about I know the people that are the fives have done the mental work. They, they've got our attitude. They've got, well, yeah, it's just one day, draw a line, move on. Whereas the people that are twos are still stuck in that old paradigm of, oh, it's only just I deserve it. Um it's it's so i'll start again tomorrow all of that stuff that the diet industry gives us um that is just not helpful to us and yeah i actually threw i i found a sign in a charity shop yesterday that says i I keep losing weight and it keeps finding me again and that's very very typical of that and i literally on the the live last night i threw it in the bin clang it's now in the bin um and it, it it just makes me ironically smile and and want to love the people that are there because they need they need to be able to ditch that attitude as well as ditch their body fat yeah and you you've spoken about this before about being in diet prison yeah and and that diet mentality of well I wasn't good today so that's it yeah I mean we'll just not be good for a while yeah that's it it's done it's too bad I didn't keep to it no whereas what I love about this way of eating and and I talk about it often is about we're on a path and the path is not straight so it goes from side to side and we may fall off the path but we just get back on yeah doesn't matter doesn't matter whether you get back on next meal next day could even do next week although I wouldn't advocate for waiting for next week no but you know for me around Christmas because we're not far out of Christmas and I set myself a date Mm -hmm. so this date this year was the 4th of january Mm -hmm. so between christmas eve and the 4th of january i'm fairly lax yeah but that doesn't mean 
but I go all out eating all the things that I haven't eaten. Mm. But I will eat whatever I fancy at any point. But I tend to, I still don't eat mm. from supper through till yeah. the next day. And not quite often the next day is a low carb meal. Mm. And it might be that I have a few after eights in the afternoon and my supper is low carb. It might be something as simple as that. So it's not just throwing everything out, you know, baby out with the bathwater just because you came off plan. It's all about building habits. I'm sure you talk about this with your clients as well as I do. Once, Once you have the habit, it's actually really quite difficult to do something that isn't the habit. So when you've built the habits over time of, well, these are the choices I make by default, I make the choices of meat, veg, cheese, fish, um, eggs, butter, cream, cheese, whatever. Yeah. And they're just default. So it's actually more difficult to break your defaults and go back to something that used to be a default once you've actually changed your normal. Yeah. And as I say, for, for, for me, I, I, I just don't even do that. I think it's just, well, yeah, this is just one one day. Although this year it was two because mum came back for for Boxing Day dinner as well because she was eating leftovers. Um, And it's just that. It's just that that done. And and I didn't buy anything else special. I did buy the deliciously guilt-free stuff that effectively meant I was eating cakes for probably a week either side. Yeah, I know I don't want them again. If I do, I'll buy it probably maybe some summer or maybe next year or maybe I'll buy some for my birthday. They're not going to be a feature. They're not a habit. I don't need them. Yeah. Exactly. And, and so when you've developed that over time, and again, one of, the, one of the things I think the diet industry gives us is you need to be perfect. You need to do it now. And, and if you are not perfect, then you may as well give up. Um, That's so and, I know, and I know some of that is changing, but even so, they're still giving you the, the, the food that creates hunger. Um, there's, there's one particularly horrible competitor for us who is now teaching people psychological tricks to starve themselves. I detest that. It, it's just you could be such a force for good and yet no you're just teaching people how to eat more fibrous filling food and and psychological tricks which are useful teaching you about why you might come for eat why you why you might have a feeder in your life how you can react to that that's all wonderful awesome stuff but the actual food they then get you to to use be alongside that is just the same as before and you are going to fail because your body cannot starve itself forever. It will rebel. You will eat something and then you will feel guilty about it. It's as simple as that. Yeah. Send you off looking for the nutrients you need. Yeah. Your not, body... not only starving yourself, because that's one issue is starving yourself. And then the other issue is not eating nutrient dense foods. <laughs> so therefore your body's constantly searching for nutrients. Yeah. And unfortunately, because of the way we're programmed by society, when you feel when your body is telling you, I need energy, I'm hungry, I need nutrients. The brain and our training interprets that we'll just go and grab something and satis- and like say t- um, tell it shut up effectively, stuff it down and go and grab just something quick or something tasty that isn't is nutrient sparse. Yeah. And of course that's not that's not giving the body what it needs. So it's still going to be asking you. Absolutely. And that just gets louder and louder. And then we are trained, you use your mind to use your willpower to ignore it. And it's like, mm. no, it's never going to work. You will always lose against your body. Your mind will always lose that fight. Always. Yeah. Yeah. Because, you know, the overriding aim of the body, like anything, is to survive. Yeah. And so 
it will send you searching for what you need. And it never lies, unlike your mind, which has language. And if you have language, you can lie. Um, (laughs) The body has no language. It just has sensation, pain, pleasure, hunger, tiredness. Um, And it's actually sort of not a big lexicon of signals, if you think about it. But it's how then we interpret those signals through the lenses we've got in our brains, through what our mind then tells us. Actually taking that sort of part of i think the deep work with all of all of changing the way we eat is learning about what the hell this wonderful amazing body is actually telling trying to tell us it's trying to tell us oh i fancy a bit of this oh i fancy a bit of that which is normally like meat or fat or i i I did a cravings thing just at the other side of christmas about well if you're craving magnesium you're going to want to eat chocolate because the, the the body knows that there's quite a lot of magnesium in dark chocolate but of course, we as the brain then interprets that as a bar of galaxy or a bar of dairy milk, especially at period time, because you use a lot of magnesium whilst you're whilst you're shedding your uterine wall. And, and it's that whole, oh yeah, okay, so I'm just craving chocolate. Oh God, I'm a bad person. I'm all PMTE. Emotions, emotions, emotions. But it's no, just just either grab some magnesium tablets, yeah. eat some dark chocolate or some cocoa powder or some raw cacao. And, and and carry on knowing that your body was asking you for magnesium. Yeah. And it, it, it's that whole trying to figure out what that actually means is, is a deep part of the work itself. And that takes time to actually tr- learn to trust our wonderful, amazing bodies again. And what, and what it's signaling yeah. to you. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. One of the things I want to go back to is your sign that you found in the charity shop. <laughs> um, because you and I both agree that you can't lose weight mm-hmm. and we have different interpretations around that so mine is if you lose something you're automatically going to want to find it so mm-hmm. therefore you can't lose weight now i do use lose weight when i'm talking to people because that's that that's what they understand but in my head i'm always reducing weight yeah. rather than losing it um you go Oh, yes, I, I have a lot of commonality there. But I, I while I get that we should be meeting people where they are, I try one of the things in my system is key six about linguistics and getting specific. Because if you ask your brain for something, it will give you it. The mind will interpret what you think, think and feel and give you what you are asking for. Now, this this is this is a little bit woo because this is the, the grounding of manifestation, but it's also very practical. The mind is a meaning seeking, problem solving machine. If you are constantly telling it something negative, that will happen. If you are constantly telling it something positive, that will also happen because it's just the way the brain works. You ask it a question, it will give you an answer. So. I encourage people to change it to ditching the inches, shedding their pounds, burning off their fat, throwing it in the bin, um, anything that implies a permanent change. Because as you say, losing is finding. And it's always sad. We lose our keys. We lose money. We lose people from our lives. So it varies from like mildly annoying to absolutely devastating. And yet we're trying to apply that really sad and a negative concept to something as joyful as becoming more healthy by shedding your body weight, mm. your body fat, more specifically. Because, of course, we want to be gaining muscle. We want to be gaining bone density. We want to be gaining organ density. 
And often that causes a lot of problems with people and the scales. And I actually, like none of my system has the scales in it at all because it's it's all about, my for myself, using a tape measure. And how big is your waist? If your waist is half your height, you're pretty much there. You're good. And that's all about then body composition. If you have more muscles, you're smaller. You are less, you are more dense for the same weight on the scale. Yeah. And often we're shedding that, that body fat hand over fist. And because of the nutrient density we're eating, we're putting back on muscle that has been shredded away because of bad nutrition, building our bones with, because so, of course bones are made out of protein and calcium. And that in itself has weight. Yeah. So using weight, yeah. yeah, weight is just useless as no more than a trend marker over time. I, I would say if you are going to weigh yourself, weigh yourself once a month and that's that and then keep the trend. Whereas looking at your how your clothes fit, how you feel, what your waist measurement is, how fantastically energetic you are, how clear your skin is. These things are much better progress markers than stupid, stupid relationship to gravity. Absolutely. I agree with that. Totally. Mm. And sometimes it's helpful as a as a marker, but not on a day to day. <laughs> I, I can I, I can weigh myself on a day-to-day basis because I don't get caught up in the emotional side mm. of it. Um and I tend to look at the trends. So therefore, is my trend am I trending up or trending down? And if you look at my weight over the last five months, there's a massive increase on the chart. It's gone up massively. Mm. But when you look at the weight, it's about five pounds, mm. which is nothing because I have I allow myself a a sort of leeway of seven pounds and mm. and so you know you could you can get so caught up in these things that actually don't have huge amounts of meaning going back to the well, meaning again completely because I mean I I have a fit track so I have a thing that is a scales but it also measures 16 other things so it measures my water my fat content my muscle contents um, my metabolic rate a whole bunch of things and so I, I I get on it probably once every six weeks when I remember about it and one of the things it tells me is I'm a I'm a very high density muscular person I have about 30 kilograms of extra muscle that, that a woman of my age normally doesn't have. I have mm, like 30, 30 kilograms more. If I didn't have that 30 kilograms in my body, I would be an ideal weight. Yeah. But I would be fat as all get out and I would be so unhealthy. So I'm quite happy to be heavier. Um, and it and it I think I've been I've been a stable weight pretty much for the last year. Stress, more, no, no brainer as to why. But it's that whole, I'm glad I've got that extra muscle because it it's ensuring that I'm staying where I am. I'm able to cope with stuff. Um, it, it's allowing me to be metabolically healthy. Yeah. But if anyone just looked at the weight on my scales, just over 100 kilos, oh my God, you're 100 kilos. Oh my God, that's terrible. It's like, no, like 45 kilos of that is is like, is that's more than that. Um, 50 kilos of that is pure muscle. I'm happy. Yeah, it's like because I should be what I think it's sixty-seven kilos, seventy kilos, something like that is where I should be. Um, if we're looking at those those silly charts for people that have been semi-starved anyway, um, and yeah, I'm a hundred because thirty kilos of that is excess to what I should have as a fifty-one-year-old female. So, are you doing anything to actively build muscle? No, nothing. I'm inc- 
incredibly sedentary. I'm far too sedentary for my own health. And my one thing this year, my one thing to improve in 2022 is my flexibility and my my strength. Yeah. Um, but no, I, I do practically no exercise. I go for a walk a few times a week. I try and lift heavy things as in just in my day day to day. But no, I'm not actively doing anything exercise at all. It's just that's because I've been eating nutrient dense all this time. That's where my body is. Yeah. Excellent. Mm. Fabulous. Yeah. Well, I, I have um, like people in wheelchairs, both from the mailing list back in the day and the group now. And th- they say they get improved muscle tone and they can't exercise generally because they're in a wheelchair. They yeah. can't do masses of movement. And yet they, they say, yeah, I can tell I'm more, I've got more muscles. They can use their, their arms more easily and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. And, and as we, we say, you, you can't exercise is a part mm-hmm. and, and we both know that it's important to move. We yes. need to keep moving. We need to lift heavy things. We need to sprint every now and then. Um, but we don't need to do lots of exercise. We should keep moving. So the sedentary lifestyle is not good. Um, unfortunately, our works often impose us to be set at a desk. Yeah. Um, but I've got a desk that goes up and down. And so sometimes I'm standing and sometimes I'm sitting. That's my, my aim for this year is to get a standing desk. I have a kneeling chair right now which is great because of where I have a back issue, it opens the angle of my hips up. So I'm not as much, if I sit, sit, well, yeah. Um, but definitely one of my aims this year is to get in a standing desk so that I can do sort of marching in place and all that, those little bits that you can do while you're standing and improve the core and all that lovely stuff. And as I say, I've bought, I bought a program at the end of last year that I haven't been brave enough to do yet because I'm afraid of hurting myself. Um, which is all about just developing flexibility and all about um, just just getting getting your body less painful and more mobile. Yeah, I know Louise always recommends, and I have had it and I have used it. I haven't been using it recently. Is um, the down dog yoga, mm. which you can just set up. You know, if you only want to do five minutes a day or five minutes, however many times a week, you just set it up and you follow it. So it's it's very flexible. So And I lo- love yoga and I don't do nearly enough of it, but I adore it. Yeah, me neither. I was doing it regularly every day, mm. uh, the early part of last year, but mm. then sort of fell by the wayside. Well, it's, it's that we need to get back. Evolutionarily, we are a, d- a dynamic of engine that evolved to move. As you said, we aren't evolved to sit on a chair and look at a screen all the time. It's one of the reasons I know I'm wearing glasses because of the whole, I've literally shortened my vision by just looking in front of me rather than looking way away. Yeah. And where we aren't moving enough and people, oh yeah, move less. What is it? Eat less, move more? Eat less, move more. No, it's actually eat more, move more. I personally feel. Yeah. Because. They've actually done studies back in the back in the sort of 30s and 40s where they tested people lying down versus people moving. And the people lying down, and this is the terms of the studies, lost more weight than the people that moved. Because of course the people that moved are also building muscle. But muscle on, yeah. Um, so it's not an equivalence. I always say that we should be moving as much as we are capable of moving. Is in terms of our bodies, movement is amazing, but it's got bugger all to do with, quotes, weight loss. It is not at all related directly. There is an indirect relationship because it improves your health. And where it improves your health, you can then get rid of more body fat. Um, but it's not a direct link. They are, they are loose, loosely associated, I believe is the correct scientific term. 
we because moving is awesome and eating nutrient dense food is awesome and you put those two things together and you get even more awesome yeah absolutely nicola we're coming to the end of our time together i'm sure you'll be back again soon (laughs) um tell people how they can find you um i am on tinternet everywhere as low carb in the uk and my website is lowcarbinthe.uk. So it's all very, very simple. Um, you can also find me, Nicola Howard, on Facebook if you can't find the company, as it were, yeah. um, on Facebook. And um, But I'm on everywhere, Pinterest, Twitter, Instagram. I'm not on Snapchat or TikTok. Can't get me head around videoing. Um, but, yeah, that's how you find me. And, of course, Nicola Howard as an author on Amazon is how you would then find my books. Yeah, and that's Nicola with a K, N-I-K-O-L-A. Yep. And we'll have the links in the show notes. Awesome. Excellent. So we always finish off with your three top tips. I think I could cheat and say, well, I've already said them because you've got the three tenants, but I think that's actually one tip. Follow the three tenants. Okay. Second tip is remember you're human, progress, not perfection. And the third is every mouthful is your choice. You don't have to, to wait Longer than one mouthful, you can stop eating the thing you were halfway through stuffing in your face. You have permission to put down the thing that is going to harm you. You don't have to finish anything. Yeah, I love that because you you can get into some of us, not everybody, but some of us get into that. I have to finish what's on my plate or I have Uh. to. I can't leave it. And some people say, well, they say I can't waste it. And I say waste to waste or waste to waste. Mm. So W-A-S-T-E to W-A-I-S-T or W-A-S-T-E to W-A-S-T-E. So Mm. you can either throw it in the bin or you can put it on your waste. Myself, I I tend to, I I still have problems with this one. I I definitely have the starving children in Africa. You should be clearing your plate. Definitely. That was totally endemic when we were kids. But now it's, well, if I don't want to finish it, I'll just go and put the plate in the fridge and I'll eat it later or I'll put it in a Tupperware or I'll make sure I'm not throwing it away because food waste. If it went to the trouble of being grown and reared and whatever, and it's been delivered to me, it deserves the honour of being eaten rather than being thrown away. It's very rare I throw food away. Yeah. Um, but it is definitely being able to acknowledge I am satisfied. There is still food on my plate. It's okay for me to not finish this right now. I can finish it later. I'll put it in the fridge and have it for tea tomorrow. And I'm going to touch on that because that is the important part because I don't know about anyone else, but this is what happened to me is I have to eat now because I might be hungry later. And when I started to make significant changes is when I am not hungry now. And if I want to eat later, I can, I will, because I was always a still am in a way that I just eat meals I'm not a great snacker I would have when I was pre-keto I'd have tea and biscuits in the afternoon but I wasn't a huge snacker between meals so if I didn't have it in my meal then I wouldn't have it but it's always scared of being hungry mm-hmm. and one of the the big changes for me was okay that's enough I'm not hungry now and giving myself permission to eat later if I was hungry or I needed to. And Mm. that is a massive freedom and stops you overeating. Yeah. I think my, my experience was I was hungry all the time. So I ate all the time. I I grew up before 1993. 
I grazed constantly. I, I put things in my face. And some of that was because of, I suspect I was emotionally eating as well. No suspect I was. Um, but I also was just hungry. And I know my friends would always, she, she, I'd, I'd get really, really at people. Oh, she's hungry. Give her something to eat. So yeah. there was this reinforcing loop. So when I found the freedom of, I'm not hungry. What? It was very, very strange. And now, of course, I'm probably two meal a day person. I don't have snacks, although at the moment, because of whatever, I'm using too much hot chocolate with cream um, as as comfort. And I know I am doing it. Um, but even so, I'm not picking and I'm not whatevering. I will have a thing and then I'll have a gap and then I'll have another thing. And then I'll go to sleep later. And it's it, I don't have the picky grazy that I, I I did in my youth totally. I was just eating all the time. Yeah. So so it's definitely where you are now. I think that the lesson for both of us that is where you are now is not necessarily where you will be. And it's okay for it to change. Yeah. Lots of people they hit about week seven or week eight on a low carb way of eating, and suddenly, and and I get posts in the group that suddenly go, I'm I, I didn't eat breakfast today. Is that okay? Yes. And yeah. it's like, yeah, that's completely normal. If you're not hungry, that's completely lovely. And it's great. You don't need to be eating all the time. We don't. It's just cultural rubbish that we've been gifted yeah. because people want to sell food to people, food yeah. like substances. Finger and yeah, fudge is just enough to give your kids a treat. Absolutely. And it won't just buy them dinner. I can't yes. Mars a day helps before you it's time to eat. Yeah. Um, and I'm sure there's one for Milky Way and I'm sure there's one for Wagon Wheels as well. And it was all about just that little, this is going to keep your kids going until they until you feed them later on. And it's not going to spoil their dinner. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The Milky Way one is because it was all light and bubbly. It won't spoil your dinner, will it? That was exactly the phrase. I can't remember the slogan, but it was definitely that's how they sold Milky Way is it's because it's full of air. It's not going to spoil their tea. Yeah. <laughs> it's just full of sugar. Yes. <laughs> I, I think I suspect we could go on and start another whole podcast here. So we probably, as much as I'm really, really enjoying this, we probably need to stop talking now. Yes. So we'll see you in nine months' time with your the birth of your new book. Oh yes. <laughs> God, that sounds like I've just made a commitment. Ah <laughs> run away. You have, you've just told <laughs> thousands of people. Oh gosh. Oh well, it definitely needs to happen now, doesn't it? Yeah. Absolutely. All right, my love. Nicola, thank you so much for oh, joining me. Thank you for having me. It's been a blast. One of the things that really struck me about my conversation with Nicola was coping with stress. And we all know we've all been a lot under a lot of stress over the last couple of years with what's been going on in the world. And for most people, they might have turned, as she said in her previous life, she would have turned to ice cream and chips, French fries for those that use chips to mean crisps, that the way she coped with her stress was to add in vegetables. How many people do you know that would cope with stress by adding in vegetables? They probably would be eating boxes of chocolate, ice cream, chips, French fries, alcohol, and doing self-destructive addictions that would have taken them further down into depths of despair in a way. But when you can stick to eating real food, you are more likely to be able to cope with that stress. So I really love that she recognised that it's a stressful time for her 
and for her what she's going to do is add in vegetables now she said she's noticed a negative impact of doing that so probably at some point she'll go back to being fully carnivore i also love her osn scale uh, the optimal suboptimal and non-optimal foods i think that's a great way of looking at it and i think it really empowers people to make choices and one of the other things that she said which was one of her top tips was you always have a choice even after every mouthful so if you pick up a plate of food that you know is not so much suboptimal but maybe non-optimal um you don't have to eat it all you can choose whether you want to take the next mouthful or not and you always have that choice. Now, sometimes we we ignore it. We think we're just going to carry on. Sometimes we're not actively making a choice. But I think it it would behove us to actually start thinking about our choices. And when we're choosing to eat something which may be not optimal, is do I really want to carry on with this or not? And maybe the answer is yes, you do. That's absolutely fine. But really thinking about how much of this do I want to eat? Do I want to eat all of it? Do I want to eat some of it? Do I want to have three mouthfuls? Do I want to have the next mouthful? There is always that choice. So I loved that um, about Nicola's, what we what she spoke about is that every you have a choice after every mouthful. And then like me, Nicola is always looking to empower people to leave themselves feeling greater than they than they did before because really it's not about the weight loss the weight loss is fantastic is fabulous if you lose the weight if you don't lose the weight how much weight you lose everybody's different we know this we keep talking about how everybody's different but whatever you're doing along that way is giving people encouragement empowering them and pointing out their successes which is you know a great part of coaching which is the bit I love is doesn't matter what it is it's a success it's always a success and you know even when we have times of struggles there are things that we can learn from those struggles and how we cope with them and how we want to cope with them in the future so I hope you really enjoyed this conversation with Nicola and If you want to see the show notes, they're at fabulouslyketo.com forward slash podcast forward slash 073. It would be great if you could support us through Patreon. Go to patreon.com forward slash fabulouslyketo and you can choose the monthly amount you wish. Can you recommend a guest we can interview? If you can, click on the link in the show notes to send us your recommendation. Would you like to join our Facebook group? Search for Fabulously Keto on Facebook. Our Facebook page is called Fabulously Keto and you can follow us there. Or you can follow us on Twitter. Our handle is Fabulously Keto. Or follow us on Instagram, Fabulously Keto 1. Did you enjoy the show? Let us know you listened by tagging us in your Insta story or Instagram post using the handle fabulouslyketo1 and the hashtag TFKP.
All the links are on the website and in the show notes. If you haven't subscribed to the podcast, click the subscribe button. Reviews help us to be found and reach new listeners. Please leave a review of our show on your preferred podcast listening platform. We appreciate you taking the time and read them all. Disclaimer. The information in this podcast is for informational and educational purposes only. Nothing in this podcast can be taken as advice. Whether our guests are doctors, healthcare professionals or not, they're only sharing their own opinions and stories and this does not constitute a doctor-patient relationship. It's always best to seek professional medical advice should you wish to make any changes to your current medication or treatments. Also speak to your own doctor if you have any concerns about your health or you wish to make lifestyle changes, especially if you're taking medication.